Clay, can you clarify something that's always bothered me? Mm-hmm. Does uh, at the end of this episode where the aide of Kai Wen runs off and Kai Wen runs up behind him and stabs him with a knife and he dies? Mm. Does yes. she intentionally murder him or does she accidentally chase him with a knife and trip into him and kill him? Well, I think it's it's just proving the age-old thing your parents say, which is never to run with a knife, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's all fun and games until someone opens the text of the ghost emoji and drips your blood on it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Revealing, like, the lemon juice of your childhood, the secret decoder. Yeah. I did... I did like that this turned into, like, uh, Bajoran National Treasure for a few minutes. Yep, yep. We're talking about the changing face of evil, and uh, we're going to get back right into it. But first of all, you're going to hear some music. Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. All right, so this one's called The Changing Face of Evil. It is the 20th episode of the seventh season, aired on April 28th, 1999, written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler, directed by Mike Vehar in this episode, The Breen O.I. with the Dominion and Attack Earth. The Federation Alliance loses its foothold in Cardassian space. Legate, Legate, I think it is, Legate Damar, organizes a rebellion, and Kai Wynn begins to uh, read forbidden texts about the Pa-Wraiths. Part four of nine, we're joined by Clay. Clay, this is, um, yeah, I, I, I have so many things that I want to start off with here. I don't know mm. really where I want to start. I guess I'm going to say that this to me is an episode that has extreme highs and extreme lows at the same time. And I think that for as much happens in it, I think it's really the Kai Wen Ducat storyline versus the Damar storyline is kind of like the dividing schism between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have to say I'm I'm fairly unimpressed with the final chapter arc to this point. I think mm. it's I think a lot of it really comes down to the arcs that they chose to go with to start things off and I think a big problem for this episode is that I think the Kai Wen Ducat storyline is is awful, like really mm. bad, really really yes. really bad. And I think I think fundamentally here's my problem with it, and let me know what you think. I think that Kai Wen and Ducat are both villains coming into the end of this series, and they combine them to sort of combine the adversaries uh, in order for our heroes to not have so many things that they're going after. Like, Ducat is is kind of working with Kai Wen to do this. And the, yeah. pro- the problem is, I think this storyline only works if Kai Wen is a noble, pious cleric who's trying to do what she honestly thinks is the best thing for Bajor. And... Mm. When her motivation is confused and she's kind of villainous, but not really, it doesn't work. And the scenes are really boring. But if, if she was like a a noble cleric that Ducat had successfully like seduced and convinced to do this against her knowing what was in the best interest or what his like ulterior motives are, I think there's a real tragedy to it. But as right. it stands, there's nothing because I don't care about Kai Wynn because she's not a good person. So I'm left with this. I'm left with this storyline that's like, why is this taking so long? Like, just do it. Just open the book and like release these things or do whatever you're going to do. And I, I don't, mm. the melodrama of them being like, I can't believe you've convinced me to do this. How could I murder my aide? It all falls flat <laughs> for me. Well, um, I know I've been hard on, on the pacing of these you know, for the past few episodes, but uh, 
they outdid themselves with that storyline in this one where it was literally someone reading a book and not being able to be good at reading a book. Falling for, asleep. <laughs> falling yeah, asleep while reading Falling it. asleep reading a book <laughs> for like <laughs> – for like 15 to 20% of this episode. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I love magic books. Magic books are my favorite expository device. I always love it when, you know, you find a magic book that tells you all of the history of the thing you're fighting and exactly how to kill it or, you know, gives you the secret to the next part of the story. A big fan. Um, this is a bad magic book. Uh, it's this storyline. This episode, it has, is... Oddly, my fa- it's my favorite one so far, but I still have the same problems that I've had up to this point. And I, yeah, I agree that the um, <clears throat> Ducat Kai Win story is just terrible. And I think, I think a large part of that is the pacing of it, because for some reason they just keep drawing it out and drawing it out. So you've you've they're matching the pace of this with the pace of everything else. Um, so you've got, it's like, they're not allowing anything to advance any faster than anything else, which is why you've got, uh, four episodes so far of, you know, just nuzzling each other's necks and, and talking about the future essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of this one, when everything else happens is when she stabs the guy. But, um, it, I, I agree with what you're saying where it doesn't work. It works better if Kai Wynn is truly believes what she's doing is the right thing, which she clearly does not. Right. And all and it also breaks down for me at the end when uh you know the the whole reason she's doing what she's doing is because Gul Dukat, uh dressed as a gigolo, uh ta- uh told her that the Power Wraiths wanted to wanted her on, on their path, and she's like, Yeah, man. He convinced yeah. the highest religious authority of this planet very easily that she was yeah. believing in the wrong side of things. Yeah. Well, he couldn't even he couldn't even convince a bunch of people like outcasts on a ship that one time that he had to. <laughs> once he once he had sex with one of them and then he was like, "Oh, oh I guess I'm going to go now." Right. Yeah. Um yeah. but he so all of this motivation is coming from him and then when her, you know, footman or whatever he is, uh, tells her that this is Gul Dukat. She doesn't go. Oh, you're you're Gul Dukat. Everything you told me is obviously a lie. She doubles down on it and is like, "No, the Pares were telling me the truth." And it's like, "Why are you believing Gul Dukat?" <laughs> yeah, it's Gul Dukat. Why? Right. I mean, I if if she turned on the footman and said something like, "I don't believe this is Gul Dukat. I don't believe that that's what's happening. You're just jealous," and then she stabs him, that I would believe. But the fact that she believes him comes to terms with the fact that this is Gul Dukat and then still is like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna do what you said I should do anyway because uh, I'm a Pa Wraith girl now and uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why. It's just that's just how I am. Get away from her. What? Eminence, that man is not Anjo Tanon. What are you talking about? Anjo Tanon died nine years ago in the labor camp at Batal. I warned you not to trust him. I had a sample of his DNA sequenced. He's not even a Bajoran. He's a Cardassian. The motivation here is confused because I think that yeah. if 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 Wynn was a true villain 
who the reveal of this being Ducat did not matter to her because she had been all in, as she's mentioned in previous episodes, that she now supports the power race because the prophets have abandoned her. Mm-hmm. If, if that's the case, why, she can't have this scene where she acts for a few seconds surprised that it's Gold Ducat. You know, like you can't, you can't have this scene where Ducat's reveal is treated like, how could you betray me? Like, how could I fall for this? I'll kill my footman now and then proceed mm. as if normal. Like, Gwyn has no straight shot of a narrative through this story because she's too conflicted of a character to like pin on either side of whether or not she should believe it or not. Yeah. I just, I just, I think it works way more effectively if she was a truly good character that was trying to do the best thing for Bejor because then it's Ducat, oh, definitely, yes. it's Ducat manipulating her. And she's being unaware of it, and it's like this tragedy that this has happened, where the way it plays out is she's he's mega evil. She's mm-hmm. 60% evil, and the reveal that comes out is, oh, he's fully evil, and she goes, yeah, but still, like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's just nothing there to it. And his reveal— But still, Footman, the ass was fat. <laughs> I think Ducat's reveal— is actually terrible too because oh it's it's awful. Why did Ducat take the name of a real Bajoran that died? There's no yes, reason. There's yeah. no reason to do that. Just to, it's just to expose him. And then the melodrama of just like, don't you see the face of your enemy? It's Gold Ducat, and it's like, oh man, yeah. this is this is just. And like he didn't awful. even he didn't even try to go like, oh well, that was. Ergo, something, whatever from uh, East Bajor. Right. I'm I'm the one from West Bajor. I'm yes. alive. It's a it's a fairly common name, people. Come on, Angel Burkle or whatever his name is. That's yeah. that's got Bajoran written all over it. I think it's yeah, just it, so clumsy. I I really, and I think your point is good about it's in a holding pattern because whatever Ducat has planned can't proceed above the other things that have to happen in the Star Trek story going on at this point. So right, like they can't excel those things. I think they made a mistake by introducing the plot line too early. Um, mm. like. Maybe building Win a little bit for a couple episodes as someone who has come around to fixing Bejor would have been a good way to reset that. Or I don't know if that would have worked, but maybe just establishing those characters outside of them meeting each other and seducing each other a little bit earlier maybe would have gone a long way for it. Yeah, if you had if you had established Kai Win as as not just jealous of Cisco, but convinced that Bejor was in some sort of more desperate situation, you know. Uh, because of a, a way to tie the war into everything, uh, so Kaiwin is is convinced that something needs to be done. Bajor is getting desperate. The prophets aren't talking to her. The prophets are talking to the emissary. The emissary's not doing anything for Bajor. He's getting married, you know, because whatever for reasons in the middle of a war, he's getting yeah. married. He's kind of this moving on a, from them in in some ways. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a huge strain on the Bajoran DPW. We got to pay for all this stuff. I know. Yeah, and um. And, you know, uh, to put her in a position where her desperation drives her more towards the power raids than just, you know, that sweet, sweet D. Yep. Um, I think that would have been a lot more satisfying. And also, I think they picked the wrong time for the Gul Dukat reveal, too, because I think that reveal is something that needs to happen when she is past the point of no return, Right. Right. At this point, at this point, she hasn't really done anything. You know, she hasn't really she's she hasn't she hasn't committed to buying tickets to go see the cure. She's just been like kind of like flipping through their CDs at the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hasn't <laughs> spent the money on it yet. She's got the website up on her phone, but hasn't hit confirm. yet. Ex- exactly. Point. Yeah. 
<clears throat> she's got like a shirt, but uh, even that she only knows like one song. And uh, uh, they're pulling the trigger on this at a point where she very easily could be like, oh, yeah, fuck you, man. And then like go back. Whereas if you bring her to the point of no return and then have him reveal himself, she's too far gone to change what she's doing. And also she now has the uh, weight of all of the terrible things that she's done to get to this point uh, um, weighing on her and uh, coming at her from a different standpoint. What she sees that the person who caused all this stuff is actually Goldicott who pulled the wool over her eyes. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I think that the performance and the motivations of the win character just don't don't work uh, as well as they need to in this position. I, I, I sorry, I was just going to say I think you could I think you could have not revealed it was Goldicott and still had her kill the guy. Yeah, I by think accident so. or otherwise. I think there's you could come up with a million reasons for that uh, and still have the same outcome without. Well, because I mean, I feel on, like that would be. And maybe that's the intention here, but I think revealing him to be Gold Ducat before that happens is not the right call. But I think her killing the footman for whatever reason they come up with and then activating the uh, ghost emoji yeah. is uh uh is is a good stepping forward point for for this story. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I think they've built up in the previous episode. She gave her a supervillain speech in the previous episode. Like she's clearly in on this plan to this point. And I think that the footman sort of questioning her as the way that I would read the wind character as being drawn to violence like that was, was if the, if the footman realizes what's going on and then is like, you're not the true Kai, like a true Kai would not do this. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're not doing the faith. Correct. I, I see that as a re- reason for her to kill him less so than I see her trying to shut him up from spoiling her plans. Basically like right. I, that, that seems like it's more of a personal thing for Wynn to want to kill him as opposed to just like, don't tell anybody about this. I'll, I'll definitely make sure that you can't tell anybody about what I'm doing. Yeah. And it also feel, it also falls flat just in general because <laughs> she gives her supervillain speech and then it's, it's like in, it's like in Ghostbusters where uh, after at the end, when they're going to the uh, Dana's building, they have that like earthquake thing and they fall into the hole and the car falls on top of them. Everyone thinks they're dead. Then they crawl out and they're all, you know, everybody's cheering and they put their hands in the middle. They're like, Oh yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And then it's like hard cut to them out of breath, climbing 22 flights of stairs. That's (laughs) what this feels like. She gives her big supervillain speech. And then the next episode, she's like, I, I didn't realize being evil would, would require so much research. Yeah. I need peace and quiet, please. Yeah. <laughs> I need you. I'm trying to be evil in here, okay? I need you to shut up. I mean, I, I guess that's why I think they're- Angel, intent- sweetie, love of my life. <laughs> if I'm in here reading, don't come in. If I'm in here and you don't see me reading, don't come in. I guess that's- That's a preview for the Shining episode we're doing on Rotten Horror Picture Show next <laughs> I guess they're- I guess they're trying to paint her as conflicted because that's the reason that they have her throw uh, Ducat out of the room when she's reading. Like they, I think they're trying to portray her as actually believing in the power wraiths as a salvation. I just think that's a horrible take for basically the Pope of this religion. It's like mm. if I had a five minute conversation <laughs> with the Pope and was like, you know what? Lucifer is actually the path. He's like that. That sounds too good to be true. Like that must be yeah, true. <laughs> I feel. I feel he should be able to. I, I knew it was me. right. I knew that was right the first time I listened to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I feel like that character should be able to out-argue the other person uh, fairly yeah. effectively. And 
they, they don't do that. They don't have time. And so it's it, the, the wishy-washiness of the Bajoran religion pastes itself ever so unpleasantly onto the Kai at this point in the story. And it's really not very enjoyable to watch. It's really melodramatic, too. Just really hokey. Um, on the other hand, the best part of this arc so far, this final chapter, continues to be Damar. And everything yes. about Damar's storyline I really love in this. I mm-hmm. I love his final speech. I love the way that he's plotting. Um, I love the way that the other characters re- react to his speech as the camera sort of pans around and there's a little montage of like everyone listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that Damar is the Cardassian who is showing the other Cardassians basically what it was like to be Bajoran under the occupation. And yes, it's yeah, a nice mirror of them realizing, without without overtly saying it at this point, saying that they are now the tread upon. And that like mm-hmm. everything that Damar is talking about with the Dominion is what they inflicted on the Bajorans to start this off. And it's, it's become- very hard... It's very hard to be a Cardassian in the Dominion these days. Yeah, it is. It's it's, but it's still, it keeps it interestingly Cardassian where he is a xenophobe. You know, the, the Cardassians yeah. are xenophobic about they don't want other people there. They also have the point about like it's it's bad to be under the Dominion because this is just like you have no self-actualization at that point. But I think it's really clever. I think it's a much more than the Bajoran Wind storyline fits into the themes of the series. The Damar storyline like perfectly lines up with what the series has been talking about for seven years. Yeah, I think the Damar stuff is great. Um, even down to I, his scenes with Wei Yun continue to be the high point of these episodes. Um, down to the details of he's not drinking anymore, and they don't they don't like. I mean, I guess he throws the 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 goop at the wall in the last episode, but like he doesn't. He doesn't have a they scene where a, he talks about it. Yeah, yeah, they don't. He doesn't talk about it. They don't make that big of a show of it, and and uh, he's just like holding himself more confidently. Uh, and Wei Yun's like, hmm, you look different. Did you have sex? <laughs> you ha- you lost your virginity, Demar, didn't you? Um. But yeah, it's it's just really it's really well done. And also, Wayun is wrong. He draws the wrong conclusion yes, about why he's that was like my that. favorite part. Yeah, my favorite part is that Wayun is so up his own ass and up the ass of the Dominion that he thinks that uh, Damar is more confident because the Dominion is doing better. Yeah, which would have been uh, because, a Ducat thing, I think. If Ducat had stayed yeah, in that role, mm-hmm. that would have been Ducat's reaction to it, which is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, and it's just it's just so well done. Um the uh the turn I was a little confused at the turn uh only because the st- I was expecting them uh he he tells the soldiers to get ready and then we immediately go into the battle of uh with uh the Starfleet and the Dominion. The Chintata. I, yeah, I was expecting them to show up there. Um, so when they were like, uh, yeah, all this other stuff happened off screen. I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I guess like it didn't, it didn't bother me. It was just, I, it took me a minute to figure out why, what was happening. Cause they, they hadn't revealed that they were going to attack a cloning facility before then. Had they? I don't think no, so. No, they, they, uh, he just said, get the troops ready. And he wasn't specific about what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so when they actually did what they were going to do, it took it, I it just took me a minute to like line up like, oh, OK, so I guess yep. that was happening while the Dominion was battling these other guys, I guess. I don't know. It, it's a nice touch because ultimately what they did is destroyed a cloning facility, which has the two, effect of two things. It both is a personal attack against Wei Yun, who can no mm-hmm. longer be cloned. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, it's also just logistically makes more sense to destroy the spawn points for the Dominion than it does to go into a battle with their ships over yeah. and over again. So I think his action is actually more impactful than if he had showed up at the battle. Yeah, I think so too. And it also puts them in the position of, uh, like you were saying previously, a lot more like the Bajorans, where they are now essentially terrorists. Right. Yeah. Not not taking them head on, but instead peppering the sides or planting bombs in houses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the Damar stuff. I, I, the Wayun and them are really great. Uh, he also plants d- seeds of doubt. Damar's plan is really well executed. He also plants seeds of doubt in the Breen by saying, we used mm-hmm. to be like you. Maybe you should pay attention to what the Dominion are doing and don't turn your back on Wayun. Um, it, it's it's just really nicely thematic. And it, it has a nice build to its action in a way that the Wind storyline doesn't. Like, things happen mm. in the Damar storyline every episode. And... I think it's clever. I think it works well. It's been a really nice arc for Damar to get to that point. It feels like that's a big changing point for the war in a believable way. Um, the one problem that's maybe related to that is that I don't like the Chintaka battle scene here very much because, mm-hmm. honestly, it feels like it happens just to destroy the Defiant. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like... Also, it also speaks to like how did the Breen just not o- o- take over the Alpha Quadrant? They have, they seem to have like every yeah, advantage they, over everybody else, and they it, attacked Earth pretty successfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then apparently they have a gun that can just stop the ships from working, so just shoot yeah. them with that. And yeah, you know they have to up the stakes of why the Breen would be important to them. But I think that 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 battle feels unimportant in terms of the stakes of the Federation losing a foothold in Dominion uh, space never really comes across to me. All it feels like is a very quick scene of get the Defiant out there. We'll blow up the Defiant to get rid of it. That'll add some kind of like um, heartfelt motion to it. Although I I think that the Defiant's destruction is actually one of the least successful emotional level destructions of a ship that the series has ever done. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. Um, I think part of what undercuts it is, and I know they have to do this for the sake of the show, I guess. Uh, but the fact that they they all eject from the escape pods and then immediately the next scene they're all back on Deep Space Nine. It's too quick. I, that whole scene it's feels really super quick. weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I feel like you could have done because the only thing that they do is they talk about the loss of the Defiant and then they, then they get the transmission from Damar. I think it would have been a lot more impactful if they had done that as on the the uh admiral ship or something like that because just to the going out there blowing up the ship and immediately going back makes it feel like you just went out there to blow the ship up yeah exactly when even the framing of the fight is odd because you have the fleets flying at each other right the dominion gets there for or the defiant gets there first and is shot by that thing that shuts it down and the ship the dominion ships all fly past it the the defiant blows up and all the pods eject. This is all happening within like, you know, a minute or something. Mm-hmm. At that point, as you see the Defiant, the camera pans to show the Starfleet, uh, the Starfleet fleet behind them, and all the ships are destroyed. You know, it's like, mm. it was such a thorough ass kicking that it's like, it was like astounding that it happened so quick. I think that you could, if you want to have a battle like that, I think it has to span most of an episode kind of like the Mm, the battle has to really feel important and long and drawn out and not just like it was a plot device that had to happen to create this sense of dread because if you do it too quickly like you're saying it doesn't create that sense of dread it just feels like because the plot happened this way you should feel dread but it doesn't it doesn't hit you that way yeah i i would have i would have cut most of the 
Kai win stuff and and done what you're saying. So many and, scenes of Kai. <laughs> oh jeez! Like you, you've got you've got the Federation preparing for a battle, and you cut to Kai win who's like snoozing at her desk. Yeah, he's not really doing a lot for your pacing, unfortunately. <laughs> the scene where the scene where the guy tries to take the books and Zukat just backhands him and is like, "I'll yeah. put the books back." It's like, what what is the point of this scene? Just how let- did how did he get a piece of his DNA? Did he like? Take the the skin cells left on his face after he got whooped, <laughs> and run them through a, a processor or something. That the whole they don't, thing, they I don't just, have I, that scene. They don't have that scene where he sneaks in while he's sleeping and like very carefully plucks a hair. Yes, off he his head. scrapes a little bit of skin with a Q-tip off of his face. I just why did Duke? Why did Ducat pick the true Bajor name that could be verified as a dead person? It's like what what was the point of that? It's just so stupid. I know it's like he it's like he walks in and says, oh, "My name is." Uh, Ron John F. Kennedy, ba- Ron Bajor. I uh, my father owns the planet. Definitely real. Never had any input. Never visited the big city. No reason for any of you to know me. But yeah. I- so speaking of the Breen for a second, mm. is there going to be any payoff to all of this discussion about the Breen? Because they talk about the Breen and who they might be and what they might look like or why they wear these suits. Yeah, a lot. And um, and that plus the Alamo stuff makes me think that it's going to be revealed that the, the Breen are actually Santa Ana's Mexican army from the 18, 1700s or whatever, 1800s. Is, is there, does this, can you, you don't have to tell me what happens, but is there a payoff to all of this talk about the Breen? The Breen are significantly underdeveloped for the remainder of this. Oh. So they're just doing this as like quick world form building. character world building? Yes. Yep. There's no moment where one of them takes their helmet off and it turns out to be like Captain Pike or something. No, no. I guess I don't know if I told the in and the I guess in the novels there's supposed to be a mixed race species that wears helmet to prevent racial discrimination. So the like the the novels are <laughs> well, the that, things that uh define a, them. How come we've never done that? That's such an easy I know, fix. It's a good idea. If we all just wore masks, everything would be fine. That's actually, I think that's actually the main thematic conceit of Watchmen's show is that that's not the way it would work. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think they're doing this to the Breen to kind of provide some kind of justification for, to make them mysterious to a point where they can have weapons like this and no one knows about it. Like, Mm, they're they're so dumb looking though. They are dumb looking and, but it's like. Just the conversation between Weyoun and Damar, I think, where they're like, why do they wear refrigeration suits if their planet is warm? And Weyoun's like, who knows? It's a, They're a mystery. It's, it's that's like, the I, thing that's so strange about it is like Weyoun is like, Damar couldn't give a shit, but but Weyoun is like oddly unnerved by them. So yeah, he walks, yeah. It's like he walks up to, D- to Damar and he's like, you know, their planet's not even icy. Isn't that fucking, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually really nice there, but they still wear for refrigeration suits. Isn't that fucking weird? That's Don't you think <laughs> these guys are weird? And Demar's like, man, I just work here. All right, give me a yeah. break. Keep punching stuff into it. Yeah, they. The, I wouldn't. Don't waste uh, mental bandwidth on the brain. I guess would be my suggestion for them. They're they're just a uh, device at this point. Um. Outside of that, I think like the. The only other scene that I, I kind of enjoy, just because I I continue to be, I continue to be shocked at how little the crew are interacting with each other in yes. this final arc. And I, I think I think sorry, I was just I, I think part of the reason I like this one so much more than the others is because they're actually in it. Yeah, they do hang out with each other specifically over. I was going to tie it into the um the Alamo thing 
which I mm. thought had a pretty funny runner of Worf being like they play with dolls, which is <laughs> which is a pretty good joke. And I like that Worf and Ezri are getting along, and he can kind of like poke fun at them and stuff like that. But I like it too, but it's still weird to me because it's like from Worf's point of view, it's like giving your ex-wife dating advice. It's like it's like if your wife forcibly divorced you and then hasn't moved out yet. Yes. And then she's going out on dates and asking you dating advice, and you're like giving her dating advice, but in the back of your head, like I would still like to be married. I don't know why this is happening. Hundred percent. I just I prefer this kind of interaction between those two to watch on sure. TV, sure, uh, as opposed to their I think, fraughtness. Yeah, I think it would be a lot less weird if we hadn't gone through two episodes of yeah. them like hate fucking each other and. Yep. Then, Getting yeah. weird about who slept with who. Like if they, if they, if where they are now is just the has just been the natural progression from where they were at the beginning of the season, I think it would be totally fine. Yeah, it's weird because for as as slow paced as the final chapter seems to be, a lot of the changes happen fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it's like it's a lot of scenes of the same stuff, but then the the switch happens and the character interactions are totally different on the other side of that switch. So as mm. slow as it is, it does feel abrupt in a lot of ways. But I, I'm I'm really. My like lasting memory of the last season or two of the show is just the disintegration of the show as an ensemble unit between the cast members. And I think it's in some ways it's understandable because you have to focus more on Damar for this final kind of wrap up mm-hmm. and you have to focus on Kai Wen and stuff like that. But at the same time, like everyone outside of Cisco, Ezri and Worf has been backgrounded to an yeah. astounding degree. They don't do anything like does. Does Odo even have lines in this episode? Uh, he has that scene where he's watching Damar. Cat. No, he has the scene where he's watching Cassidy and Cisco argue, and then and then uh, Quark is like, <laughs> "Oh, that's right. Better better watch out. This could be you and Kira." And he doesn't say anything to that. He just kind of goes, "Huh." <laughs> and then they have him at the end watching the TV with Damar. He doesn't say anything about that. He's just there. That's his best scene, though. I love Odo's reaction to that. That feels like a very Odo reaction to watching that. Yeah, I think, yeah. but he's. Him, Kira, O'Brien, and Bashir are totally irrelevant. And Quark mm. even. Quark's irrelevant at that. Like, I just think they could have done a better job of working them into the storyline in some way or yeah. making it seem like this is a cohesive unit that's uh, walking towards the finish line. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's odd to me that they spend the, that they're spending so much time consistently with the same stories like you've got essentially uh one two three four story threads that are going and it's the same four story threads that have been going for all four of these episodes episodes. yep and none of them really seem like they're over so and only one i'd argue is good yeah demaris is like the only good like three out of the four are either middling or bad i would say yeah like the 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 first couple episodes uh, worth of Cisco and Cassidy stuff is fine because yeah you know that's a change for the character. Um, it's setting up the emissary uh, stuff with uh, Kai Win, yep. all this kind of stuff. But like you don't, we don't have to keep checking in on them to see how their marriage is going. Yeah, you know, like you could have you can do the same everything that they did with them in this episode. You could have done in one scene. Yeah, where it's. Uh, Cassidy's trying to get out of there. Cisco says no. And then like after they just say Cisco goes, okay, fine. You can go. I'll try not to worry. 
ding dong, it's the admiral. Oh, Cisco, you gotta go. And then Cassie's like, fuck, now I'm worried. You know, that's, right. that, that's it. Yep. You don't have to do, you don't, you don't have to do this runner of like food based passive aggression. <laughs> no, doing. baby, you burned my peppers. <laughs> oh, god damn. Touch my peppers. <laughs> Months I've been growing these peppers. goddamn peppers. He sits down in the chair. And yeah, I, I, I feel like you Avery Brooks cook. even thinks that scene is funny because he's kind of laughing to himself when he sits down in the chair. Like, I think he realizes his performance is absurd. Yeah, I just loved it when he yells at her, you don't cook. Like, you don't, this isn't what you do. You don't do this. Stay Why are you doing lane, this woman. now? Yeah, is that how you reacted when you walked in on your son pretending to podcast the other day? <laughs> Is, you don't do this, Alistair. Oh, god damn it. Months it took me to set up all this equipment and he just fucked it up. No, <laughs> My I, levels were perfect. I agree. I agree that, that it just takes up so much time. And it's yeah. it's strange. I I just think it's the um we talked about it in the first episode. The writing staff is not exposed to a lot of this kind of serialized writing at this point. So they're the way they're handling it is pretty clunky. Um, yeah, a modern show would do a much better job of mixing in everybody. They wouldn't just have these four storylines. They'd have multiple storylines that are at least doing something in the background to not make it feel mm-hmm. like it's so uh, monotonous in what's going on. Like I, if you if in if in a month from now when we finish DS Nine, you give me a, a quiz about what happened in each of these episodes, I'll have no mm-hmm. idea. You know, they're like, all roughly the same thing. They're all the same thing. It's four episodes yeah. of the same storylines going on, and none of them are particularly good. And I think that's I think that's kind of bad. I think that they should have more identifiable events that happen in each of them. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not. Most of them are not particularly good. And again, I think it comes down to the pacing of them. For some reason, they are paced exactly the same. And uh, in doing that, you are. Um, not allowing a more natural and organic story change to happen because you have to like uh it's like it's like when you go running with somebody who's not running as fast as you are you really got to kind of like slow it down yep uh and wait for them to catch up so you can go okay now we'll move on to the next section of our run and then they fall behind again it's like all right so you got to wait for, i know that as the person who's usually behind where i'm not a runner <laughs> um but it's that it's that kind of feeling where it's like it 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 feels like you are artificially dragging your stories out so they all kind of hit at the same time instead of letting them sort of play themselves out in a more natural way which makes your story more dynamic makes your show more dynamic when you've got things hitting not everything has to be you know uh uh the the Kaiser Soze reveal from Usual Suspects, where everything comes together at the same time, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I just th- I think they did a, a poor job of for a final arc that's this serialized. I think you have to have a much more of a roller coaster feel to what's going on. Like yes, the, the, I would agree. There just has to be much more up and down uh, energy got, to the to the episodes. You've got six episodes left in your show, and Kai Win is asleep at her desk. Right. Like, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no excuse for that. There's no, no excuse for that. I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, I think we're done talking about this one, so let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then we'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about the changing face of evil. And so two years ago, our government signed a treaty with the Dominion. In it, the Dominion promised to extend Cardassia's influence throughout the Alpha Quadrant. In exchange, we pledged ourselves to join the war against the Federation and its allies. Cardassians have never been afraid of war. 
fact we've proven time and again over these past two years. Seven million of our brave soldiers have given their lives to fulfill our part of the agreement. And what has the Dominion done in return? Nothing. We've gained no new territories. In fact, our influence throughout the Quadrant has diminished. And to make matters worse, we are no longer masters in our own home. Travel anywhere in Cardassian, what do you find? Jem'Hadar, Vorta, and now Breen. Instead of the invaders, we have become the invaded. Our allies have conquered us without firing a single shot. Well, no longer. This morning, detachments of the Cardassian 1st, 3rd, and 9th Orders attacked Dominion outpost on Rondak 3. This assault marks the first step toward the liberation of our Come. homeland. See if you can get confirmation from the on that. of the Alpha Quadrant. I call upon Cardassians everywhere. Resist. Resist today. Resist tomorrow. Resist till the last Dominion soldier has been driven from our soil. Okay, so if you enjoyed the content today, you can support the show at patreon.com slash thepenskefile. It's the best way to do it. Patreon.com slash thepenskefile. A couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff, extra podcasts. It's a great help to the show. It's very kind of you. Thank you to uh, all of our supporters and a special thank you. Go to our captain tier. They get a shout out. Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Samuel Custer, Russell Elledge, Santos, uh, uh, Grim Santos, excuse me, Sean Tarek Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show, guys. I got caught up in the names because I had to scroll and then my eyes lost where I was and it <laughs> fucked everything up. But let's go to our patron comments now. Uh, if you support the show, you can leave your comments about upcoming episodes and we read them. Poindexter G says, Changing in face of evil. Best episode title of the final arc. The Kai's gone full, dag, nasty, evil. But the meat of the episode is our characters getting back to war and the destruction of the Defiant. They've only done this sort of thing in the movies, but this has more impact than some of those. It hits harder than the death of the Enterprise D, as well as the JJ Enterprise. We've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of that tough little ship and it was a brilliant way to demonstrate the stakes. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I think the intent was good, but I don't think the execution was good. Yeah. I, I think that, I think losing the Defiant in a <clears throat> battle that is supposed to represent a big swing in the way of the war that is going, they just, it, you can't, you can't do it that fast. It's just bad execution. Right. An episode right. should have been devoted to that, I think. Um, and they they didn't want to do well, that. Well, it's because you have to, you have to intercut with, we can't, uh, the ship's going under the a hard cut to, Huh. Never seen that word before. <laughs> it's just Lick my snores. finger, turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the blood. Andrew Sherlock says, The start of the core final story arc and the opening and reveal of the Breen assault on Earth is something only DS9 could have done. The ensuing defeat at Chintaka lays out a potential f- defeat for the Federation. However, Damar's plan is put in motion and Cardassia goes into full-blown rebellion. All of the elements work and flow. An easy five, in my mind. Next comments, Zamnuko Wessel. In an episode so incredibly stuffed with development, it's all the more amazing how Damar's speech stands out as the high point. He really shows his quality here. Ducat might also have turned on the Dominion, but not so earnestly, and not when they were ahead. I uh, you, is, I'll, I'll, I'll just stress, I, I love Damar's yeah. final speech. It's going to be the mm. final clip to this episode. I think it's really well done. And um, 
uh, emotional. I think like it's a, it's a it's an emotionally satisfying turning point in the final arc of this that I think just works because of everything that it's built off of and who that character is and where the Cardassians have been and where they've gone through the entire series. Do you think it's intentional that they use the same device as when Gowron did more or less the same thing? Because that, that was the first thing I thought of was, I uh, I can't remember what episode it was, like way back. Oh, that's when, when he Gowron, was a changeling though, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it was just it was, uh, it was was just interesting that it was the same thing where it's everybody gathered around the TV on the quad of yeah. Deep Space Nine <laughs> watching a, a, a speech from a leader of a different race. Yeah, that's true. It's a good callback to that. Maybe it's, maybe it's not intentionally done that way, but it certainly looks the same. And it's a nice... It's a nice flip on that because it's earnest this time. It's not a changeling plot to sort of undermine mm. the alliances uh, between yeah. the Federation and everybody. But I, I do like his his speech. I think it's really well done. I I wish during that speech they had cut to the 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 room that Wayun and and uh, uh, Mrs. Founder were in. Um, there were two Cardassians in the background, like just extras standing at the table or something. I wish they had cut to them like. Uh, tensely like pulling their collar out like in a cartoon like (laughs) (laughs) and like everybody like turning to look at these two Cardassians in the back and be like hey man we don't know anything about this wasn't involved don't know Damar it's like the Trump denial barely met the guy or whatever yeah Uh, Abed uh, Hussein says the changing face of evil okay so this is the point where GS9 out Babylon 5 is Babylon 5 let's twist and twirl a bunch of historical plot points and spin it all on its head I love it Next comment. Can I can I just point out I, I wanted to bring this up, but I forgot. Um the the thing about the Pa Wraith stuff that is extra annoying to me is that they keep bringing up shit that you've never heard of and having it be like the linchpin to moving things forward. Where at least I don't think they've heard of this before, but when the Kai Wynn is talking to to Ducat and he's like, "Yes," and then at that point we can free them from the fire caves, and she's like, "Fire caves? <laughs> what?" And I, I was like, "I'm right there with you. I don't know what the hell he's talking about." But it's like, "Yes, obviously they're in the fire caves down the street." Yeah, that's the. Um, I'm pretty sure the fire caves are where the power wraiths were imprisoned at first, or something. I think they mentioned, but it, it's it, it's it's like irrelevant. There's no. It's just yeah. the yeah the whole. Back and forth is like, yes, we must get the ghost emoji so we can free them from the fire caves, yes. obviously. It's first, like, oh, yeah, okay. first, get the book, then we'll unlock well, sure. the book, then we'll reveal. Yeah, whatever, man. But but the ghost emoji's never been touched in 400 years. It's like, oh, oh, awesome. <laughs> Will Yates says- Let's the, put a crew together so we can steal the book. Like, oh, okay. Keep, it, keep, on, keep on churning. Keep that plot moving. Will Yates says, the brain attack on Earth should totally have been one of the TNG movies. I really like how Cassidy's stubbornness mirrors Cisco's, and it makes me like the relationship much more. Wayun's unwavering devotion and Dominion-centric view may well be the ultimate flaw in the Vorta race. Why aren't the books Wynn was reading destroyed long ago, and for what matter if and for that matter, if both sets of aliens exist outside of time and have seen what will happen, what is the point of everything? The abandonment of the Defiant was heartbreaking, but the scene with all the burning ships was phenomenal. The build-up to Damar's betrayal was really good, although I wonder if it would have been a bit more poignant if we'd never seen him conspiring with his underling and only found out about it at the same time as the Federation. Uh, well, you know... I think you, you gotta, need to see the conspiring scenes. And, you know, you have to... Uh, uh, 
we've gotten we've uh, we've gotten rid of smallpox, right? But there's we still have a little bit of it left over, just so you can study it. Yep. So I guess that's the excuse you can use about why they still have those. Why they keep the- <laughs> Christian Pouch says the dark text trope is pretty tropey, but at least it leads to Wynn's full commitment to the power rates. The second battle of Chintaka is really horrifying, seeing the good guy ships get torn apart with such ease. The loss of the Defiant is tragic, especially since there is no reset button for this particular ship. Damar's fantastic arc leads him to declare open war in the Dominion, and just when the Alliance needs help the most. I think Damar is exemplifying a lot of what makes the Cardassians a great race. His arc is the result of characteristics endemic to the Cardassians, and the same traits which lead them into the Dominion Alliance are now leading them out of it. It's a good the point. The dark texts are very tropey. They are the best trope, but I disagree. I don't think that they are well used here, because they don't lead to her downfall. Like, it, she stabs that dude first like they're they're just there there's they don't play a part in her turn like if she had read them and then was like oh now i know the secrets of evil you know, supreme executive power you yeah know, that's different but they don't they don't play into it i mean i guess they probably will in the next episode but kyle barrett says a quality episode of tv so much happens thinking about it maybe too much the brain attack on earth demar's open revolt and the second battle of the chintaka system the defiant destroyed and cassidy even burns the goddamn peppers they should have condensed the first three episodes into two episodes and expanded this one into two. But yeah, the stuff with Wynn isn't that interesting, and nobody ever needs to hear Miles described as cherubic. But even still, this is the best episode <laughs> of the final arc, apart from the series finale. Interesting. Captain Quark. Uh, Damar's plotline continues to be the best part of the final arc of the show. His decision to destroy the Dominion's cloning facility is particularly awesome. The Breen aren't the best villains, but at least the show is raising the stakes with their attack on Earth and the destruction of the Defiant. On the other hand, Wynn and Dudkot, whose power couple name is Winukot, continue to be the weak element here. Their story is fairly repetitive in the episode until Kai Wynn shanks her elderly man-servant, and he apparently dies instantly. Wynn and Dudkot's reveal that he is the secret Powerwraith cultist at the end of the last episode raised some alarms about this trustworthiness. Trust his trustworthiness. When is she going to do any sort of background check on this guy? All of this feels like it should have been its own story arc earlier in the season. I feel like their evil couple name should be Dakota Kai. And, uh, <laughs> that that'll make sense to anyone of my fellow wrestling fans. <laughs> and what's what is he called? What's her her first name is um Adami. Adami, yeah, Adami. I couldn't. It took me a while to realize that was her name, and it wasn't just like one of those Amzadi Riker and Troy things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tommy, uh, and the way he says it too, he's like drooling on himself. Uh, Yarpy says the war starts to ramp up, but I always have a bit of a feeling they should have started this earlier in the season, but I imagine the network wasn't keen on it. I like that. They're not afraid to show consequences of the war, such as the attack to earth or losing the defiant, which shows the effect of the Breen coming into the war scenes with Damar continue to be my favorite parts of the episodes. And the actor has really grown into his role. On the other hand, I still don't like Kai Wen and Ducat, even though Alamo still rocks as Ducat. No more buck. Go ahead. Don't you th- don't you think that Ducat should be doing doing something like sneaky or underhanded instead of just like waiting till she gets to the chapter of the book that he wants her to read? You know, yeah. Like he's there and he's trying to be the mastermind of this whole thing, and he's just essentially like chilling out on the porch eating an apple the whole time. It, does it's, he it's weird. need? Does he need her to translate it? Is that what he he needs? Like he needs? I don't her- know. I don't know exactly what he needs her for at this point. Yeah, I, I guess he needs her to interpret the texts, I suppose, because she's the only one that can study them, I would guess. But I don't know. Like, it, it's also a a universe where the computer analyzes everything instantly. So mm-hmm. why don't you give it to the computer and see what it says? It's it's right. strange. He is he is he an must holding add pattern. Blood two page. 
must add Bajoran blood, manservant blood. <laughs> Shanks the elderly manservant. But, like, but doesn't doesn't it feel like while she's in her study, we should be getting scenes of Ducat like sneaking around inside the. I'm the surprised Kai's there's house no scenes of him talking to the Powraiths in a vision. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, yeah something to ha- give him something to do instead of just being a gigolo for a whole episode. Yeah, I'd agree. Norma Buckwald, with the episode beginning uh, with the Earth Starfleet being attacked and almost ending with the Defiant destroyed, the pace really picks up and looks quite bleak. The beginning of Damar's resistance is the hope and most compelling. The mystery of the new Dominion foe, the Breen, is quite effective, with the exception of Wayne's mystery homeworld comment. Really? The Changelings never checked out their world? The Dominion did not visit them directly? <laughs> Still, quite an impactful episode and one of the best of the ten hours. The Kai Wynn Ducat story does not even seem slow as it involves the evil text and demonstrates Wynn's refusal to not turn back, murdering her manservant and no She's now dealing with Ducat. Five out of five. And Demar. That's it. Demar. Demar. Don't you hate? Isn't it weird to you how the Breen never take their shoes off when they come in? <laughs> Everybody else takes their shoes off, but the Breen refused to do it. I don't know. I don't want to ask them to do it either. Because then I raised, look like the bad guy, you know? But isn't it just weird? These people raised in a barn. Who doesn't take their <laughs> shoes off when they enter a house? What kind of what kind of monsters are they? Thank you very much, patrons, for your comments about the changing face of evil. We're done with it. A couple comments about the best episode of the arc, Clay. Mm. What do you think? Are you going to get? You don't know them all, obviously, but is that a weird uh, thing to hear? I suppose with four episodes left or five or whatever. It um, is? it doesn't make me super hopeful for the next six. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do agree that this is the best one so far, while still suffering from the same problems as the first three. Um. Yeah, I I kind of wish I hadn't heard that because I was looking for I was hoping that this is going to be like the turning point. I was like, OK, things are moving. The Stuff's action happening. starts now. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah like if it's just going to be four, six more episodes of Kai Wynn. <laughs> Cisco, uh, the Cisco's renew their vows in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Cisco's renew their vows. They argue over catering and the catering is really the crux of the episode is the argument over the food. Yeah, I think the um, uh, the the I'm just imagining in the writers' room, like Ira Bear is like, "All right, guys, like we're here at the final chapter. What we're calling the final chapter. We have uh, we've got six episodes to go to wrap this up." And some Ron Moore is like, "Oh, Ira, it's ten. There's ten episodes." He's like, "Oh, <laughs> fuck!" <laughs> just repeat the storyline over and over again. So obviously, there's still six episodes, uh, but I don't think this is going to happen. I well, I know it's not going to happen, but. It, um, I think it is almost unforgivable that the Federation, or or not maybe the, not the Federation, but the, the our main cast doesn't know that Ducat is out there doing stuff mm. because he's the he's been the main villain this whole time. His yep. plan is kind of like I'm not even sure exactly what he's hoping to accomplish. By releasing the power raids, I, I I don't. Is it gonna like kill everybody? I don't. I'm not it even bring, sure. It brings in the end of times. It's it's just vague <clears throat> biblical prophecies. Sure. about what's okay. going to happen. I mean, I'm I'm down with that. But for Ducat, I, I wish it was something a little bit more concrete. Right. Um, well, that's the that's the strange thing about his arc. Like he he's not even using the power raids to advance his own goals. He he seems like right. a true believer at this point, which doesn't feel like a Ducati uh, decision to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he should. There should be some clause in in his contract with the Pirates that like he will become 
the most powerful in the universe or something. He's, the, like he's that. the new emissary. That's why I think you need scenes between him and the Powerates, where they are yeah. promising these things to him. Yeah, something where he gets something out of it that is objectively evil, um, instead of him just you know doing the bidding of of these uh, space ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, man, if I was in that writer's room and we were, and we were trying to break the last 10 episodes, I, w- and people were like, oh, Worf and Esri, blah, 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 blah. I would say the only thing I want to see, and you can involve Esri if you want to, I want Worf on a collision course that ends with him cutting off Dukat's head. Mm-hmm. I feel like Worf needs to be the person who kills Dukat. And I think that should be his story for the rest is that he ends up on a collision course with Dukat and gets to get his revenge for Jedzia. Jedzia. I think that would be the most satisfying thing I could see in the last 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, um, I guess we'll rate it here. What are you going to give this one? I have, we did, we actually missed our rating in the last episode. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I gave it a three for you. You sounded like you were talking about it like it was a three, and I'm sure you don't yeah, remember at this sure. point. But yeah. Uh, so we've given all of them threes to this point. What are you going to give this one? Um, I think I'm going to have to give it a four just because I did enjoy it so much more than the first three, but I hesitate to give it a five because I still think it's, hampered by a lot of the same stuff that hampered the first three like it's it's a four it's it's a four because like just half relative. of it is a, <laughs> yeah, yeah half of it is a two and half of it is a five. Oh, interesting I'm, I'm i'm doing the same kind of math but it's a five and a one for me uh okay so sure. it's equaling a three at the end of it i i don't think this is i was i was extremely negative on this one through the first 25 30 minutes I was like, this yeah, is this is yeah. the worst one because they were focusing so heavily on the Kai Wen stuff and Dukat. Mm. Damar saves it a little bit, and I wonder because it ends with a strong Damar scene. I wonder if that makes you feel like it's a better episode than it actually was for the majority of its runtime. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a three, uh, and I'll stick with can it. I, way. Can I ask a question? You don't have to give me a uh, long winded answer if you don't want to ruin stuff. But sure. does the Dukat Kai Wen stuff? eventually tie back into everything else that's going on they they interact with the federation again if that's what you mean okay all right how, how, what, what, how would you want like what in what sense well, would you consider i just it i don't in? like if if we get to the end of this and ducat and kai win are just kind of off doing their own thing and they never really has a lot of actionable consequences for anybody else i'm going to be kind of bummed out no they 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 directly interact with everything that is okay. it, it is all coming together uh so i wouldn't be afraid like don't fear that they are just never uh dealt with again or like the crew mm-hmm. never interacts with them or becomes aware they do at some point so things kind of mix at that point and you'll see how it kind of resolves itself yeah okay all right. Thank you very much, patrons and uh, everyone for listening. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Best way to support the show. All the social media links are down below. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, if you want to join the conversation. All the podcasts are out. The Last Jedi podcast went out uh, the other day. We'll have more podcasts coming. DS9 is wrapping up. With the Badass coming out next week or this week, next week, maybe. You'll know when it comes out. And then I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um... I don't think so. Uh, new horror podcast, Rotten Horror Picture Show, starting next month with me and uh, Amanda, who was our guest host on the last set of Real Ripe and Real Rotten we did. So that should be pretty fun, I hope. Yep. 
And we have um, the wine tasting, actually. We, the company that makes the Picard wine sent me mm. some free samples. So we're going to drink them and review them, and that'll be a show coming out at some point. Uh, yeah, Sean, Sean will be joining us for that. Yep. So Sean will be joining us to uh, talk about that. His wine expertise will uh, guide that discussion, I suppose. So you can look forward to that. should be fun. And I think that's pretty much it. We'll be back with the uh, the next episode of DS9 in a couple of days. It's called When It Rains. So we're going to... Uh, Is this a Vic Fontaine episode? <laughs> I I can only hope that the guys, sweet crooning. Guys, what do we need to focus on this war for? Just come on in and take a load off inside the <laughs> inside the holodeck. It'll be great. Talk about the, the good old days on the strip when Jake couldn't come in. We'll see. So I guess we can sign, uh, sum up at this point now. So I, I met the rest of the DS9 is going to play out like this. We will finish the DS9 up until the finale. I want to do a revisit of the pilot before the finale, and then we'll do the finale. And then the week next week really, after that or something. What's that? Really, really making me work for it, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I um, we didn't do it for TNG, and I think it's actually... Uh, an interesting kind of thing to go back and watch the pilot, just if if anything, just to be like, wow, it looks totally different than what it actually yeah, came out to. Definitely, no, um, I'm down for that. It'll be it'll be a short podcast, uh, and then we'll wrap it up with the finale, and then maybe the week after that, we will do the documentary season wrap or series. Wrap I'll be up. honest with you, I'm more excited to do the documentary than I am to finish the season. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not really enjoying the final chapter, are you? Yeah. It's fine. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really enjoying it. I, I feel let down uh, yeah. in some ways. Like, I, I, let's put it this way. Uh, I feel like everybody kind of talked it up a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, it has not lived up to the hype so far. Yeah. Like, uh, before we started this, we got comments like, oh, you think it's it's boring now, but oh boy, it's going to kick into high gear. And then I'm watching Kai Wynn read a fucking book <laughs> were they, for, well, were they talking for 28 about, minutes. Were they talking about this one or the occupation arc gets that kind of uh, praise, which is the season six opener where the station gets taken over by the Dominion? I you remember fairly this. clearly remember people saying that like... Uh, the when we were covering the last couple uh, standalone episodes, they were like, "Up, oh, it's about to kick in for the last the last run." And oh, it's sure. Be, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, I've yet I've yet to be wowed, guys. I'm sorry. I'm I'm uh, I'm not I'm not impressed with it so far. I don't think it's particularly good. I think that the we'll see what we'll see. When, I the only episode I remember out of this, honestly, is the finale. I remember how the mm-hmm. finale goes and. I haven't seen it in long enough to remember, but I remember the finale being pretty pretty good, I think. I would I would say that it's the best of the arcs if it's certainly better than this episode that we just talked about. So mm. we have that to look forward to. We'll see. Is it a single episode or is it well, I mean, I guess we're in a big ten chapter story, but is it like it's a single it double a episode, so it's an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Hour and a half, okay. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Uh we will see you in a couple days with when it rains. 